My name is Molly McCartney. I'm an intuitive medium, the author of the Amazon best-selling book, Empower Your Wisdom, and the founder of the Empowered Wisdom School. This show was created for women who wish to trust their intuition so they can follow their higher calling and their bliss without fear, doubt, and disempowering relationships holding them back. If you're a spiritual woman with a business or career in any field and a higher calling you've been working towards, and you want to be featured on the show to inspire others with your story, go to empoweredwisdomshow.com. For now, please enjoy today's show, and don't forget to subscribe for daily inspiration from our very special guests. Hello and welcome to the Empowered Wisdom Show. This is your host, Molly McCartney, and today I'm here with Alana Vandersloos. She is with Freedom with Food and Fitness, and today we're going to talk about diet, culture, and people-pleasing, and I know a lot of the women listening to the show can identify with this. I know that I can, coming from a, um, a history of food addiction and, and just a disordered kind of relationship with food, using it as, as a way to numb out because of my people-pleasing tendencies. That's how I, I like to describe it. Very unhappy in my relationships, very unhappy with life, um, living in fear in a lot of, a lot of ways. So what I ended up doing was, was then leaning on junk food and kind of getting even physically addicted to it. That then led to some real, um, consequences in my health. So I know Alana has a different story and many of you do too, but there's a lot of ways this can show up. And especially with our, our, the way we see our bodies, the way we take care of our bodies, we can even rebel against that sometimes by saying, well, we're so tired of trying to please everybody by looking or looking a certain way or having a number on the scale that we'll just, just throw it all out the window. Kind of, that's what I did. But, um, you know, even today struggling with weight, it is constantly, um, constantly there. Like, how are we just taking care of ourselves because it's what we need to do for self-love and why, you know, how are we doing it to then maybe be pleasing to other people or not to be made fun of or whatever it is. So Alana, welcome to the show. I think this is a very important topic. Um, how are you today? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I'm, I'm on holiday break for the week. So I'm relaxing and reconnecting with people and it's, it's good. I'm happy to be here. Good. Well, welcome very, very, very much. We're real glad to have you. So why don't you tell us a little bit about your, your own struggle with um, an eating disorder and what brought you to the work you do with, um, with your coaching business? Sure. So um, the way that I tell it now is obviously in hindsight, after a lot of uh, self-discovery, self-reflection, years of you know doing work on myself. But um, that to say, when when my struggles with eating began in my twenties, I'm in my thirties now. I I just had this goal that I wanted to weigh as, as least as I could, you know, and that was the, that was the goal. And there was no introspection as to really why I just had this idea that I had to be thin in order to be pretty or attractive, or I guess perfect. You know, I had this horrible, um, struggle with perfectionism my entire life. And I didn't really see it as a problem until after I had left college and all of a sudden there was no, and again, I didn't know this at the time, but there was no, no marker of success that was as clear as it was when we're in school, right? When we get grades in school, we are, you know, on a position on a certain sport or whatever the case may be. And, and that's kind of how we rank ourselves. And that's kind of how we decide kind of where we fall 
um, socially. And when that was taken, and I'd always excelled in that environment, in that very structured, ranked environment. So when I left, when I graduated college, I felt very much untethered, I guess is a good way to put it. I felt like I didn't know if I was going to get a job right out of college. I didn't know how to kind of rank myself anymore. And I felt very lost, very out of control. And as many people do when they start this path on disordered eating is I wanted to take control of something. And that something was my food intake, my calorie intake, my weight. And unfortunately, because I'm somebody who is a bit of a perfectionist and a high achiever, it wasn't enough to just do it, you know, in a healthy way. It had to be like all the way. I had to put the pedal completely to the floor in in a way that, you know, we we all talk about shadow sides of different personalities. Mm -hmm. And that, that, that is the shadow side to my perfectionism is I can take it way too far. And that's exactly what I did. I became obsessed. I had what they call orthorexia, which isn't a diagnosable eating disorder, but it's basically an obsession with clean eating. Everything had to be clean or healthy. Like I couldn't even look at junk food and, you know, I was scared of it. I was scared to gain weight. I was scared to be unhealthy with it. Um, And then, you know, I had binge eating disorder, which is a diagnosable eating disorder. And the way that it manifested for me was Monday through Friday, I would eat quote unquote, good, quote unquote, clean. I'm putting quotes because I, I don't agree with those type of um, descriptors, but, you know, I was so rigid in my eating habits in this pursue pursuing of a goal weight that when the weekend came, I would binge, I would eat all of the foods I wasn't allowing myself because I, you know, quote unquote, deserved them and I had earned them, but it would lead to a very uncomfortable feeling of fullness, a whole lot of shame And a whole lot of that narrative of, oh, okay, well, I'm going to start again on Monday. And that starting again on Monday would start the cycle all over again. And then I also had body dysmorphic disorder, which is, again, another diagnosable eating disorder. It's basically when what you see in the mirror isn't what's actually there. Um, You overblow in your mind minor or even simply perceived flaws. So for me, it was my stomach. My stomach was never flat enough. It wasn't muscular enough. And it didn't matter what I ate, how much I worked out, how low the scale went. It just, it it was never enough for me because my perception was never going to be what I wanted it to be. So very long story short, um, I eventually found intuitive eating, which is an anti-diet philosophy. It's basically pursue health, pursue nutrition, pursue exercise, but do it in a way that is not so structured and obsessive and rigid. So I got rid of the scale. I have no idea what I weigh. I don't count calories. I don't track macros. I don't do any of those things. And my blood work is fine. I am in the body I'm supposed to be. I feel very strong and fit and healthy. And I don't give food a second thought anymore unless I'm hungry and I'm eating. I love that. I love that. And and it's that's so important, especially you know, growing up in that diet culture that we have grown up. And I, I know I was born in, in the late seventies. So it was all about low fat, low fat, low fat, you know, which then they found out was actually a problem. You know, if people were on that diet forever and ever. They then didn't have enough fat on their organs or they ended up getting more wrinkles as they aged and um, brain, their brain stopped working as well. So it's just like, yeah, the, the way the culture pushes different trends 
is really interesting. And, and I have, um, I have heard of people maybe like drinking so much alkaline water, eating so much alkaline food, they become too alkaline. So they're too, they get tired all the time. So there is this, you know, there's a extreme to everything that we can do. And I think that's really important to, to call attention to orthorexia. Is, uh, is that what, what it's called? Did I say that correctly? Yeah. 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 It's um, yeah. It, it takes away. And that's not to say like, I love healthy foods. I love oh, yeah. things like egg whites and whole eggs and, 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 you know, yogurt and oatmeal and chicken. I love all the things that we typically consider, you know, nutrient dense, but I think that it becomes an issue when you are afraid if someone bakes you a cookie and gives you a cookie that you can't have it Mm -hmm. in that moment, or you can't have a slice of your child's birthday cake because you're afraid of what that's going to mean. I, I think that, you know, again, there's, there's shades of gray and everything. We can't be all the way on one end or the other. That's that all or nothing black and white thinking that perfectionists suffer from. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Perfectionism is huge piece. And also with what I teach um, to help people follow their intuition, I would say that is getting stuck in the intellect, which is the, the mind side of the ego um, that says, well, here's the rules, stick to the rules, and then we'll get what we want. In the meantime, your intuition is screaming, you know, your spirit's like, I want to have experiences and I want to, sometimes I do want to eat the cookie. And sometimes I just, you know, want to be at ease with my life. And I think that's, you know, when we get wrapped up in the rule following of, of perfectionism or any kind of diet or anything like that, we do kind of limit that. And what happens then is our little inner gremlin will come out and then of course rebel against it whenever we get a chance. So, so that makes sense where that swinging to one side to the other, you know, with binge eating and the clean eating. And I certainly experienced that as well. I know other people are too. So thanks for sharing your story with that. And it, it sounds like, you know, as you start to recognize that it had to do with perfectionism at the core, you've learned to manage your thoughts and emotions and create some boundaries. So can you tell us a little bit about that and, and how, how far you've come since that time? Sure. So, um, you know, I started listening to self-development podcasts and this was actually after my recovery, but then I realized how crucial this can be to someone's recovery. It's this idea that, and it's, it's basic cognitive behavioral therapy, but it's, we have circumstances in our lives that are actually neutral, but it's only when we attribute certain thoughts to them that they mean something to us. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's down to everything. And I know that's, that was such a hard thing for me to unlearn. Like this idea that even when somebody dies, even when somebody gets cancer, even if you get cancer, it's, it's what you're making it mean. Is it, does it mean this horrible, horrible thing has happened or are you making it mean that? And in the case of somebody that we love dying, of course, we want to make the conscious decision to be sad and miss that person. But knowing that it's a choice, I think really empowers us that we are the ones that are in control and we are navigating the ship that is our life. It's not, it's not the external forces It's what we make everything. And then those thoughts that we have create the emotions and those drive the outcomes of our life. And I, I see that now looking back on it, I see that, you know, I, the, the scale would go up one morning, you know, two, three pounds, whatever. And that's a, that was a neutral event, but in my head, I was screaming. I was like, oh my God, you have no self-control. You've done it again. Now you're going to have to like really be hungry today because you're not going to be able to allow yourself food because that scale's got to go down. All those thoughts would create all this anxiety, all this shame, all this, um, 
kind of feelings of out of control. And, and that would produce my outcome of being in the cycle over and over and over again. But I didn't see it that way until years later. So, you know, I'm, I'm glad I went through what I went through because I have learned tools that not only helped me, not only helped my clients, but it helps me in other parts of my life too. Like when my husband does something that pisses me off, like (laughs) I know it's not what he's doing. It's what I'm making it mean. It's not him. Like I, like I can set boundaries. I can tell him how I want things to go, but I have to understand that if, you know, he's his own person and I can't control him. I can only control how I react to the things that he does and what I think about those things. So it's, it's so much more empowering when you understand that your thoughts create your emotions and, and drive your outcomes. Oh, I totally agree. I t- you're speaking my language and <laughs> <laughs> it's so important to know that. And I think when we realize that that center of power is in, again, our spiritual self, because our mind's going to make up the stories it's, and, and we can use it as, as a, I think that what is the, the term it's, it's an Einstein quote, you know, we've, we've created a society that, um, you know, basically we've lost wisdom. We're starving for wisdom and, you know, using the intuitive mind as, as a servant instead of the, the, I don't know, I'm totally screwing up that quote, but there's a beautiful quote out there about it. And, um, and it's all about using the, the mind as the servant to the intuition and to the spiritual guidance that we receive from within. And I think that's really important to think about that axis of power within us being that spiritual self instead of our judgments, instead of our desires to be perfect, instead of the stories we tell that, yeah, it is what it is, no matter what story we tell. That's such an important point that, and we, I was just talking about someone else, someone, uh, I was just talking to someone else about the same thing today. So that's the theme of the day. So, so with that, can you share how your spiritual awareness and how your intuition plays into knowing when say you're, if you're mad at your husband or something's happened with somebody else in your life, like, when do you know, like, how does it feel to be a down girl? Like, come on back. (laughs) Like, let's look at, let's look at what to do here. How do, how do you find your center in those moments? You know, I have to have to look back. I have to zoom out. And I have to ask myself questions like, is this going to matter next month, next year? Does this matter to the cosmos? Does this matter to source or whatever higher being that you are a part of? Like everything happens for a reason. Things are put in your way for a reason. I mean, people who believe in traditional God will say that God tests you. And I believe that. I I believe that we are tested and, and what we do with those tests is really kind of the marker of who we are. And, you know, you just have to kind of put everything in perspective of if you are at a weight right now that you are not happy with, if you're not happy with your body right now, that's okay. Like, that's okay. If you have to look at the totality of your health and the totality of who you are and what were you put on this earth for? You know, when I want to get upset about something I've done wrong or a mistake that I've made, I have to realize what my purpose is. Like my purpose is to serve people and to help guide them on the, on the path that I've already walked. And I'm going to make mistakes along the way because I'm not perfect and that's okay. And not only am I not perfect, the people that need me the most need to see me not being perfect because it gives them permission to do the same thing. 
like my, like my, my son, my son's two and a half and I always want to be the perfect mom for him and do all the right things and say all the right things and never yell at him. And then I'm thinking to myself, okay, well, if I do that, let's say I was the perfect parent, that's what he's going to see. And he's going to think to himself, I don't have room to make mistakes myself. And that's going to make me ultimately fail as a parent. <laughs> Same thing with my clients. Like my clients need to see me being awkward and goofy and messing up and um, being vulnerable and authentic in that way that they know they can do the same thing on this journey because this journey is not perfect. Like you, the journey to healing your relationship with food and your body is not linear. It's not perfect. You fall down and get up so many times and they need to know that that's okay. Yes, absolutely. And it is, it's by not only getting real, but messing up, like, like I did just a few minutes ago, completely screwing up something that was very profound, but <laughs> it's like, that's, that is what it is. And we're human beings. We have glitches and, and mis we make mistakes. And I think being more forgiving of ourselves then helps other people forgive themselves, you know, and also creates this attitude of cooperation and this attitude of we're just all getting by here. We're doing our best. We're in different places in the fog on any given day. Um, instead of this sense of competition or keeping up with the Joneses or looking as good as the next person on Instagram or whatever it is. So can you tell us a little bit more? I want to back up um, about the mom guilt. You, you yeah. said that's a big challenge for you lately. And, and maybe before baby came along, you kind of mastered some things. And then here's this new challenge of motherhood. So how is the boundary creating showing up for you? Like, how are those challenges showing up? And, and maybe the stories that you tell yourself um, and, and also about your self-care as a mom, how does that affect your self-care? Sure. So, you know, yeah, I definitely had the, the perfectionism better under wraps before him. And then the seam kind of opened up a little bit when he first came. And I'll be totally honest with that. It was very hard because you realize that even from an early age, I, I, I forget what they say, and I'm about to butcher something, um, something like, like, <laughs> please they're do. Just, they're, yeah. <laughs> their disposition is basically formed by the time they're four or something. And mm. I'm like, oh my God, like I, like everything I say, everything I do, he's seeing me, he's in, even if he doesn't remember it, he's internalizing these things. And so like, like if I yell at him because, you know, we all get at the end of our ropes. If I yell at him, I'm like, oh my God, he's not going to remember that exact moment, but he's going to have like this unresolved trauma. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, spiraling. I would be the same way if I had a spiral. child. Yeah. Oh my goodness. <laughs> but you know, I just, I just have to keep coming back to like, he doesn't need the perfect mom. He needs his mom. He needs mm -hmm. his mom. He needs me to love him. He needs me to take care of him. And when I mess up in front of him, I can, I can use that as an opportunity. I don't have to see that as a failure. I can see that as an opportunity to sit him down and get on his level and say things like, you know, mommy really lost, you know, mommy got angry right there, um, but she shouldn't have yelled. And I can model that out to him. It's, you know, I'm also a high school English teacher. So we call that a teachable moment. <laughs> <laughs> yes, know? exactly. It is. You know? Yeah. But it's, but, but, but to what you were, the, the other part of your question is, I'm a full-time English teacher in high school. That's my full-time job. This is my side business. And then I have a toddler. So in terms of time management, like luckily that's actually a strong suit of mine, but there's still, you know, those moments where you're like, you know, is this business worth the time I'm taking away from my son? Am I taking too much time? Am I not putting enough into the business? It's, 
and there's no, there's no perfection. There's no, there's no perfect <laughs> balance here. And, you know, you know, stay at home moms, they are model, they are getting all the quality time with their kids. And it's so wonderful. And then there's the other side of it where the, where the working moms are showing their kids what, what a working woman looks like. So there's pros and cons to both of them and there's no right or wrong, but we're in a society where we're supposed to have it all. And that's really, really difficult. And it's always like, we're always looking at the grass as greener and we have to stop doing that. We just really have to look at the the good things that we're doing, but self-care also. So work, side business, toddler, self-care. Uh, I block it into my calendar, like everything else. It's my, co- my calendar is beautiful. It's color coded. <laughs> it's like the, the orange stuff is mine. The work stuff is green. The business stuff is purple that's how I do it. And I have to make sure that there's some self-care somewhere in that. Like I'll look at my week and if I don't see any orange, I don't see any personal self-care stuff. I'm like, I gotta, I gotta fix this. I gotta, I gotta switch some stuff around and I gotta make sure that I'm getting time for me because if I can't, I mean, it's, it's such a overused phrase at this point, but you can't pour from an empty cup. It's true though. Like it's absolutely true. I can't, I can't give to my clients. I can't hold space for them and the issues that they're going through if I'm completely filled up with BS on my own end. So I have to make sure that there's room for them, room for my son, my husband, all the people. That makes sense. Total sense. And when you have that time, are you always sure what to do with it? Or is it like you have to shift gears during that time? And by the time it's done, it's like, okay, now back to <laughs> taking care of everything. <laughs> I'm laughing so hard right now because like I, I have those moments, like if I don't, if I haven't pre-planned what, what this like self-care relax time is going to look like, I get, I get like anxious. I'm like, what am I doing? What am I doing? Mm-hmm. I don't know what to do with myself, <laughs> but I, you know, I, I, I make sure that I get movement in every single day. I, you know, once a month I'll go get a massage. Uh, I'll get a pedicure every once in a while. I'll read. I will write. I love to write. Um, or I'll just watch, you know, Netflix, which is fantastic. I think that's a, I think that's a great mode of self-care. Sometimes you just need to relax and and listen to somebody else's story. You know, I think that's what it's a different way of turning on the radio or sitting around the campfire and listening to a story. So, you know, as with anything, we tend to go to spectrums either. It's like, okay, spending all day on the couch, maybe isn't the best thing, maybe once in a while, but you know, every few days, chill out, relax, enjoy yeah. a story. My favorite boundary is I don't work past seven. Oh, once the baby's, once the baby's in bed, I'm done. I'm done. Yeah. I won't answer emails. I won't, I won't take phone calls. I just, I won't do it. Alana is closed. <laughs> That's it. Yes, <laughs> like exactly. That. That's perfect. Well, I drew a few cards to, to help support you in this current challenge. It sounds like you're doing really well, but we'll share those if you don't mind. I'm, I'm so excited actually. Cause I, I recently, saw a psychic medium for the first time. Mm-hmm. She told me I was very intuitive. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I'm very excited to see what you have to say. I would very, I very much agree with that. <laughs> so yeah, meeting you, it's like immediately, like she is, she is focused. She is on, she's noticing. It's not like, yeah, you, you may have struggled with that perfectionism, but you're also very self-aware and that's the first step to that intuition. And then working with others, I'm sure that you're very sharp with that would be able to read what they need and, and what you need to talk about right away. Um, but what I'm getting here is the biggest challenge or the biggest kind of um, story going on here is understanding for yourself, um, there's a there's a rite of passage happening. And this could be motherhood. It could be something else. Um, 
I think the it, it's motherhood activating a new level of your own confidence and a new level of your own uh, self-identity and that it is divine timing. Um, and usually, well, not usually, but I'm picking up that this may also mean that you're literally moving into your mother years. So are you between the ages of 27 and 33? I'm 35. 35. Okay. So you've just come out of it. So that Saturn return, as they call it in um, astrology, is it happens typically between the ages of 27 and 33, where you really go through and say, I'm not a kid anymore, but I don't know who I am. And you start to build up that prime of life identity. So, so you've definitely come into that and you're growing into that even more. And I do feel like with this card showing up, it means you're being initiated again into a new level of wisdom, maybe more so than the people around you um, and maybe even family members. So they're not going to totally understand you with this, but you'll be able to explain it as you grow and, and you share your story. And I see you clapping. <laughs> so you know what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. <laughs> cool. So you're coming out of a time that you're, you're really, you have really learned to pay attention to your emotions, have really great emotional boundaries and speak up about that. That's been huge. And maybe even um, coming out of your challenge with disordered eating, that was, that was part of it. Like, I'm just going to manage and find my power in this, in my eating instead of like actually do it in my relationships and do it in my situation. So I don't feel disempowered in all these things, trying to keep up with everything I don't, then I don't need to seize control over, you know, micromanaging my food. And, and as you're moving forward, um, it's really important that you keep um, an eye on your passion and purpose going forward and try not to look back too much. Um, also be mindful of any negative patterns um, or toxic thought habits that are keeping you stuck. Um, because when you get grounded in what you're wanting to do, um, and get past the fear of uncertainty, you've got a lot of beautiful things coming up. I, I do feel a book or some courses are in your future, like creating really rich content. Um, <laughs> did, you, did you, did you Google, do you know about the book? No, no I don't know about the book. Okay. I only know what you told me on your application and what's in your Instagram. I look at re really quick. So, but I do see that this bigger vision of really guiding people on a bigger scale and, and the writing will play a role in that. Very good. <laughs> wow. Okay. That was really good. Cause I actually, I have, um, this, this year is going to be a big one. I have a TEDx talk next month. Mm -hmm. Very excited for it. And then I have a book coming out. Thank you. Yeah. The book is coming out next year. We're, we're not exactly sure of, of the pub date, but yeah, nice. it's, it's in the works. Good. Yeah. It's going to be a beautiful doorway for you. If anything, right now, it's time to really work on any self-defeating negative thoughts and like this sense of like, you know, who am I to do this or, you know, blah, blah, blah. It's, it's okay. the ways your inner bully keeps you down. Um, definitely be paying attention to that as you take these bigger steps, because that's, that's the doorway or that's the gauntlet you need to get past it to then speak loudly and clearly about what's going on. Um, and I feel like as you just work with the law of attraction and the flow, you're going to get to the, the mountaintop and get to the perspective you need in this publishing process. Um, but the biggest challenges I'm seeing or the biggest fears anyway, is getting zooming out too big, too fast. 
So one thing at a time, <laughs> one thing at a time and keep those boundaries clear, because if you zoom out too far, too fast, it's going to be like, oh my God, there's too much. Or you'll feel you'll get de derailed and, and work on things that don't matter yet. So yeah. I do feel like getting a good structure is going to help a lot and watching that ego um, and really looking at every single thing as a beautiful blessing, really counting the blessings more than what's, what's not working um, is going to be amazing. Um, and there's something about shining your light unapologetically. And mm -hmm. I'm not sure where that comes from. I feel like there is maybe it's either familial or social um, structures of something maybe always needs to be wrong or something needs to be challenging. And you know, that's not true, but there may be an underlying false belief that there's always got to be something to focus on. That's not working. Does that make sense? Oh yeah. That that's definitely something I'm still kind of a work in progress on is looking at, I don't know if you've ever read the gap in the gain, but looking more at be, gratitude and the things that are going well, because my brain, and I think it's an evolutionary thing. I think most people do this, but I'm always looking for what's wrong. Mm -hmm. Yep. That's the intellect. You know, yeah. that's the, uh, that, that mind side of the ego. I always, I break it down into two parts, two very specific parts. Our ego is either all mind and all linear thinking and logic, or it's in the instinctual part, which is, is fear. Um, fear of loss, fear of death, fear of injury, or fear of leaving the comfort zone. And they work together in tandem to seize control over the spirit. <laughs> so it's really important to keep an eye on that and say, it's just my mind ticking away like the computer it is. It doesn't know any better. It's just trying to figure it all out. And if I keep taking steps, it will learn. And, and when I, my comfort zone is threatened, I'm going to keep taking steps to show myself that I'm safe. And it really is kind of challenging it each and every day until your intuition gets stronger than those voices, right? right. <laughs> so at the end here, what you're doing is by retrieving your power and sharing it with others and becoming a healing um, tool in this world, you are reclaiming a missing piece of your soul. So this mm -hmm. is a spiritual calling. It is really important that you do this in this lifetime. And um, I congratulate you because it's an exciting journey, but I know how scary it can be as well. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> thank you. Yeah, it, it's funny. One of the things that you said kind of spoke to me is like, I've, I'm thinking this is kind of a slow period in, in terms of coaching. I don't have a ton of clients right now. And part of me wanted to get beat up about it. And then part of me thought to myself, the book and the TED talk are about to come out and you're about to have kind of like a more global platform and there are going to be people that are going to come at you that mm -hmm. do not like your message and do not like you or your face yes. or whatever. Uh -huh. And I have to, I have to be ready for that. I have to be ready for that because <laughs> that is a scary thing. It definitely is. And, and the bad vibes come from all different things, either mis misunderstandings or yeah, I just, I don't, you know, who are you to say this? You're only such and such years old or, you know, oh, my, my path was so much harder than yours. You know, there's so many things that could happen, but it really is knowing that if you're triggering that in people, a lot of times they're in pain. So they're looking to cause pain in you and to feel more powerful but also they just don't really know and they don't know what they don't know. So uh, you may, uh, somebody had told me this recently, if you don't have any um, kind of haters, <laughs> you're not out, out there big enough. You're not going big enough. <laughs> so it's actually right. a really good sign. <laughs> yes.
Absolutely. As much as we don't like those haters, they're not very nice, but anyway. Um, so please share where people can find you if they'd like to learn more about your work and, um, soon they're going to hear about your Ted talk and your book. So yes, where they can connect. Sure. So if you're somebody who is interested in intuitive eating is a chronic dieter, somebody who binge eats, emotionally eats, overeats, not happy with your body, want some body confidence. Um, those are the type of people I work with. Those are the women that I work with. So they can find me on Instagram at freedom with food and fitness, or they can go to my website, freedom with food and fitness.com. And if they're looking for something free, just to kind of get their toes you know, in, you know, in the water and kind of see what I'm all about. I have a free ebook. It's uh, five simple ways to boost your health with intuitive eating. So that's at freedomwithfoodandfitness.com slash ebook. Love it. Thank you so much for sharing your light today. It's been a pleasure talking with you. Thank you, Molly. It's been a pleasure too. All right. Awesome. And thanks guys for listening. We'll catch you next time. Hey there. I hope you enjoyed today's show. If you'd like to hear more from our wise and wonderful guests, make sure you subscribe for daily interview content. And here's three ways I can help empower your wisdom for free. Number one, grab your copy of my Empower Your Life workbook. It will help you honor your inner voice, make way for new visions, and live with intention. Go to empoweredwisdomshow.com forward slash workbook to get your copy today. Two, if you're a woman with a well-established business or career and your intuition is nudging you to go in a more spiritual direction, we want to interview you on this show. Head to empoweredwisdomshow.com. Three, listen and subscribe to our sister podcast, The Empowered Wisdom Hour, for free teachings, guided meditation, and channeled wisdom to help you thrive. You can listen on Apple, Spotify, and most major podcast platforms. At Empowered Wisdom Coaching, we help intuitive, spiritual, and high-achieving women who feel disempowered by self-doubt and relationship patterns realize their power and go for what they want without holding back. If you're ready to release doubt, fear, and disempowering relationships so you can follow your calling and your bliss the intuitive way, book a call to see how I can help. Go to mollymccartney.com forward slash chat.